Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams and Elizabeth Wallace, and you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 333. And tonight, we are still on schedule. We're recapping two episodes of Laura Olympus. We're going to start with episode 213, which is available for free right now on the Webtoon app. And then we're going to go right into 214, which is only available if you're fast passing. We will give everybody a heads up and spoiler warnings because things definitely moved forward a little bit in these latest two episodes. Yeah, um, we saw a little bit more of the backstory of Nymph after she gets re-transformed back into her real form. Um, the last episode ended with her seeing a little girl obviously lost at a train station, and I was thinking for a second, and I know that Rachel did this on purpose, that Nymph was going to like instantly go all nurturing and suddenly like reach out to the child because she's actually reaching out to the child that she used to be. So she goes up to this little girl and she's like, hey, do you have 20 drachma you can spare? Do you have a phone? What's up with the train? She's poking her in the head when she did it. I'm like, yeah, that's the myth we know. Yeah, exactly. She's not mothering at all. But the little girl who's lost, she's like, well, I was going to ask you for help, but you're really weird because a myth has no clue. This is back... I mean, some point during what they're calling now the punishment, where the moral realm was cut off from Olympus. But Minth has no idea about any of that. So she keeps talking about, like, I got to get out of here. I got to get back up to the Olympus. And I got to, and the little kid is like, all right, never mind. I'm just going to go find somebody else. Uh, Minth is finally like, no, wait, I'm an adult. I can help. So the little girl's like, fine. And she holds up her hand up to Minth's hand. And Minth's just like, what is happening here? And she's like, hold my hand. Like, I'm sorry. I thought you were striking a power pose. <laughs> and, I, and I love this. They're walking away. The little girl says, don't kidnap me. And Min says, why would I? You're so annoying. <laughs> so we kind of flash back to the nymphs who work with uh, Persephone and all that troop and everything. And one of them is about ready to teach a bunch of kids, but somebody's called in sick and she's freaking out. And that's the moment where Minth shows up with the little girl. And I like teachers everywhere. She spots somebody who can help. <laughs> and she's like, oh, wow, an extra pair of hands. And she basically just throws Minth in front of all the little kids and says, remember, they can smell fear. And, um, I love that image. They used it for the preview image because the kids, you, you keep flashing back from seeing the teacher and Minth just standing there looking at all this to the kids who were just chaos personified. And at one point, you have this little nymph girl right up in the, the, the foreground going, Barb! I just <laughs> love how she drew that. Which, as it turns out, Minth is pretty good in this situation because she gets irritated and whistles at everybody, catches everybody's attention, yanks the book out of the teacher's hand, and basically is just like, we're going to read a story, you know? And she just completely commands the room. And the teacher's very impressed, uh, says that she's a natural when all the kids leave for the day. And then someone comes to summon Minth back to talk to the boss, who at this point looks like a multicolored bush because it's Persephone and she's still, I guess, in freakout mode with leaves and everything growing everywhere. And Minth, of course, has to laugh at her because she's oh, just yeah. like, what are you trying to turn into a wood witch or something? And Persephone is like trying to tell Minth, okay, I've got a place where you can sleep. And Minth is still trying to tell her, oh, you're always trying to get on everybody's good side. It just doesn't work like that. And she's just like, I just need to go back up to Olympus. And Persephone says, oh. And she gets right up in Minth's face and says, you haven't figured it out yet. 
Is that where we leave the episode? No, no, we don't actually. And it's really beautifully well done because you can just see it's done, you know, she tilts the view vertical so you can see this long stretched out picture of Persephone's hair and leaves and everything flowing behind her. She goes up to Minth and tells her, you've been a plant for three years and we're cut off from all the other realms. And then you see in the distance, you see Minth's voice going, no! But then we go back to the present day. And that's that oh, beautiful... Oh, hold on a second. That is, that is the end of the episode. Isn't I that interesting? I, I knew it. I was like sitting here. I was like, isn't that where the episode ends? So. <laughs> okay. And we're going to keep all of this in. Oh, of course we are. No, oh, there's God, no yes. need to cut any of this out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the next episode, that starts with that beautiful picture of Minth, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And Minth looks... I mean, she's always been a very sexy, grown-up adult, but she looks just mature in this one. I mean, her hair is actually flowing kind of beautifully, and she's she's looking very contemplative as she's walking through the mortal realms. And I think this is after the realms have been reopened. Yes, yes. It took me a while to figure that out because there's time jumping going on. And you see Minth, and I'm thinking it's happening, I don't know, she's coming to terms with being cut off from the mortal realm? No, this is right after everything opens up because who walks up at that point? It's Thetis, and Thetis says, oh, I heard you were around here, but I had to see it for myself. You look terrible. I'm like, oh, God, Thetis. Had to change a bit. I, yeah. I'd say don't ever change Thetis, but I kind of hope at some point she does because Thetis is annoying. Yeah, but she's got a kid literally in tow. She's got this little kid on a little leech-like thing, and you can tell from the coloring of the kid, the kid's a human or at least partially human, because it doesn't have, you know, the, the multicolored things we've got going on with every other character who actually is from Olympus. And Minth is like, what's with the kid? She's like, ah, well, he's, you know, part mortal, which is gross, but he's good at everything. So it balances out. And Thetis has also been queen. I'm, they haven't told us how that happened, how she ended up in the mortal realm and queen this entire time. Um, but now that things are opening up, she's meeting up with her cousin and they're going to start some shit. And it's obviously assumed that Minth is going to be towing along. And Minth says, no. And yep. Betty really can't believe it. She's like, what are you talking about? Get your things and let's go. And Minth breaks up with Betty's friendship wise. Yes. yes, yes. And she does it in a way that's actually like it's not even really mean-spirited. I mean, like, there's no good way to tell somebody, you're a terrible person, I don't want to be a friend with you anymore. But she does say that we bring out the worst in each other. And I just, I want to officially end this friendship. Good luck with everything. And then she just walks away. And the way she phrases things and the way she's talking, like she's kind of looking up in the sky, she's counting off the points in her hands. She reminds me of Persephone. So it seems like Persephone had a really good influence on her these last uh, seven years, I guess. And she storms away. Oh, no, she doesn't even storm away. She just walks away. And Betty is just like, go to hell, Minth. And that's it. That's that's yeah. pretty much the end of uh, their friendship. We don't know how Thetis is going to react to that um, in private, but I guess we don't really care. No, yeah. I was just, I was very impressed that it was like the least 
drama-filled way that she could have ended things. And I was expecting that Thetis was going to yell something at her and somehow drag her back into the drama. Nope, she tells her to go to hell and Minth doesn't even turn around. Minth walks off to where she's teaching another class, but she's teaching a class to adult nymphs and she's showing them how they can build a good resume because she's like, she's apparently become a teacher of all things since she's, you know, that whole thing with... Persephone, we don't know exactly what happened in the meantime, but we know at some point in the next, like, I don't know, seven or eight years, she grew a hell of a lot. And uh, I've been thinking about this, and it's not like Hades was taking advantage of Minth, because Minth knew what she wanted. She wanted to be with the boss and, you know, have expensive gifts and status and still be able to work at his office and have everybody bow and scrape to her. But it was a really rotten idea of Hades to make her both his employee and his girlfriend. Because it really allowed her to continue to only think of herself as as having value depending on who she was in a relationship with. And now she's finally finding things that she personally is good at that does not depend on somebody else in power giving her that value. So I think this is a really nice change. And I cannot believe that I'm starting to like Menth. I never thought that was going to happen. I know. I mean... My God, we hated her so much for all of the awful things that she said and the trying to get Persephone in trouble. And I just would have, I'd love to have her get turned into a plant. If anything, I wanted something worse to happen to her. And now I'm just like, oh, wow. Do you suppose uh, Rachel's going to try and do the same thing with Apollo? I don't know. I have been wanting and at the same time dreading when Apollo first shows up because I keep coming back to that idea that Demeter is going to do anything she can to get Persephone, quote, rescued from the underworld. And I'm afraid that Apollo is going to take advantage. Yeah. Now, speaking of Hades, so like I said, the time jumps were kind of throwing me off for a little bit here with Minth, but it happens again with Hades because we see Hades and it looks like he's sort of making like a little breakfast tray. He tries to put a flower on it, but it dies because he's Hades. That's what happens. (laughs) But he's suddenly, he's sort of sitting there and sort of remembering something. And we flash back to when Demeter is still there. That's why this is confusing. And Persephone has just told Demeter about taking the pomegranate. And you've got Demeter looking at Hades and being like, is this true? Did you let her make a deal like that? And we don't get the answer because time jumps back to now he's carrying the tray into Persephone. And it's clearly the night after Demeter left. So we have huge gaps in the story going on. And it's Demeter is still with this idea that this was done to Persephone, that someone did not prevent Persephone from making a terrible choice. She still hasn't acknowledged that her daughter saved everybody and that she was the one who made the choice, that she is still making her own choices. Yep, 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 yep. So, uh... Persephone wakes up and is panicked for a second there. She's like, oh, did I sleep late? We got to go to work. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to work. You are taking a day off. And Persephone just can't, she can't get her head around that. She's like, but I'll I'll feel guilty if you're working and I'm not working. (laughs) I love this quote from Hades. He said, goddess, I slept for years while you worked so hard, your hands turned green. So I think Persephone, I think she acknowledges that. And I love the way, um, uh, Rachel drew Persephone in these shots with her long yeah. flowing pink hair and like looking very kind of sly a couple of times. Oh, yes. It's just, and they're so cute with each other. And they ended up getting into a little 
tickle wrestle match with the donuts at one point. It's just it's freaking adorable. But Hades has a slight ulterior motive in wanting Persephone to stay home. So he goes and he talks to Hecate, and she wants to know where Persephone is, and he said, okay, Demeter knows. And I love how Rachel <laughs> drew this, you know, uh, Hecate going, okay. So, yeah, she knows that's bad, very bad. Yeah, yeah. Boy, Hecate looks great. I mean, the... the quick inhale or whatever the words were on that when she just drew it and had the captions perfectly on that. But yeah, um, Hades, he's got to figure out what's going on. Technically, they don't know exactly what happened to everybody. Obviously, you know, Kronos took over and everything, but I think we don't know the full extent of it. So that's what he wants to find out. He's like, I've got to fill in some pieces. I have to go talk to my father. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, that's right, because they don't know how he managed to get out of Tartarus enough to take over Hades and Hermes and, like, possess them, basically. So they don't really have any way of knowing how to stop it from happening again. So they can't just count on the idea of him being permanently imprisoned because he was permanently imprisoned before and it didn't seem yeah. to help. So I guess the um, the next storyline is going to be a conversation with Kronos and I'm sure that's going to be epic. Oh God, yeah. But it, I mean, we did actually get some progression in the story. We did, yeah. Increments forward, but you know, still no Apollo. I don't know what's going on there. Don't know what uh, Artemis and Apollo are saying to each other or what Apollo's been telling people or I don't know. I we mean, how is... Still don't know what the hell's going on with Hephaestus. No, with um, Aphrodite being married. We have not gotten yeah. confirmation that she married Hephaestus. We think it's that's true. what it is, because yeah. that's what it is from the original mythology, but we don't know for sure. And we don't know what's happening with Eros and Psyche. I mean, we're assuming they're fine, but that was also, Apollo was involved in that one. Who's been saying what to who? No idea yet. Um, now, Hera was there uh, when Persephone and Hades woke up, and so was Zeus, but we still don't know if Hera has moved back in with Zeus and decided to continue their marriage or not. She already knew that uh, Zeus cheated on her repeatedly, but we don't know her reaction to these particular uh, infidelities resulting in two grown children. Now, what was it when Thetis was trying to get Menth to go back with her and she said something about Zeus? She's like, I've got some news or a scoop about Zeus. Was it Zeus or Hades? Oh, I don't... Can you look? I, I, I possibly can. Let me go back here. Uh, okay, she said uh, her cousin's going to meet her in the city, and she said she's got some wild story about Hades. Okay, so it is Hades. I wonder what it is. I mean, it makes sense. I was thinking for a minute, you know, Thetis being so self-centered, she'd want to, you know, blab about something that happened with Zeus, but it makes more sense that she knows that she can drag Minth into drama if she brings up Hades, except Minth doesn't take the bait. No, she doesn't, which surprised me, because I thought for sure that was going to be yet another instance of Minth being determined to move forward with something else, and Thetis deciding, no, 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 we've got to get you... Because I think Thetis... Thetis didn't like it when Minth and Hades' relationship was really solid, but she also didn't like it when Hades and Minth broke up. And I think I think Thanatos said at the trial that the only reason Thetis wanted Minth and Hades to stay together was so Thetis would have someone to hang out with when um, Zeus and Hades, like, spend a weekend at the spa or something, yeah, which is, like, so, so yeah. damn shallow on Thetis' oh, yeah. part. Mm-hmm. Way shallow, but didn't work. So. Nope. Yeah. 
Okay, so that's all for Laura Olympus. What we're going to talk about next is the fact that we have both finally seen the diner episode of Sandman, which, you know, I think we've been waiting for this one for a while. Yeah. And I was worried about this one because I've only read the diner episode, uh, the original comic book, a few times because yeah. it is really disturbing. It is... It is John D. You know, in his hole in the comic book, he just kind of almost looks like he's been flayed. Almost, he doesn't look like he has any skin. He's got jacked yeah. up teeth and everything. Um, he goes into a diner and just starts playing with the people there and yeah. and messing with them and you know seeing all of their nasty little secrets and bringing them to the fore. And then you have the orgy and then you have them chopping each other to pieces. And in here. I like the fact that John D had like a more benign motive to start out with because he just he doesn't like lies. The fact that his mother lied to him the entire time when he was growing up about who his father was and why they kept on having to move everywhere. He just he wants people to not have to lie. So you've got all these different characters in the diner and he lets the truth come out. He does, but <laughs> That may have been his motivation, but of course the ruby just creates chaos because just because everybody's telling the truth does not mean that people would have started, I don't know, hammering their fingers off or, you know, getting, having sex in a booth in a diner with somebody that they just literally met 10 minutes beforehand. You know, it's just, it, it takes that truth and just pushes it to the hilt. Um, yeah, it gets, it gets pretty ugly pretty fast. But there are some story beats that are the same in this that were in the comic. You know, you've got um, Judy has had a fight with Donna, and you find out the reason why Donna and her broke up was that Judy got mad and actually hit Donna, and Donna left and never came back. And that is exactly the same in the story. And I thought it was interesting that in the comic book... Um, the waitress character. Yes. She's yes. she's a writer. Well, she she wants to be a writer. She's writing a book, but it sounds like something that she's just kind of been like working on in secret for years without ever actually ever being able to finish anything. Sure. And in the comic book, she's always writing happy endings for people. So when yeah. she talks about, when she thinks about Judy and Donna in her books, she's already had them both married off to handsome men. So, mm -hmm. and she obviously doesn't approve of them being gay. Here, she doesn't approve of the relationship, but it's because she thinks Don, um, Judy can do better than Donna, which yeah. is one of the more benign moments when uh, I think the uh, interviewee, the young dude who comes. Yeah, in, yeah. he yeah. overhears her and then he actually tells um, Judy that that was what the waitress said, that he thinks she thinks you can do better than Donna and that kind of surprised Judy I think, that she would say yeah. something that is kind of like, you know yeah, you, you deserve to be happy with someone who's good enough for you, so I yeah. thought now I, I think possibly the waitress meant that she needed to find a good man but that didn't I, come out at that moment yeah. No, that's exactly it, she did try and get the two of them hooked up together and everything <laughs> Judy's like, still gay but, um, <laughs> Yeah, and it was really interesting. You've got Marsh, who is the cook that the waitress really likes, and Marsh has been coming and hanging out with him. Now, there's a little bit of a difference in the story in this one. I think it makes it very clear, like explicitly clear, in the original comic book. You know, the waitress keeps talking about her son being home from college, I think, and everything. <laughs> But in the comic book, that was shorthand for he had been in prison. And mm -hmm. you, it takes a while for you to find that out. Now... In the comic book, 
Marsh is in the moments when truth is being dragged out of him. And I believe she's putting nails through his hand, I think. Um, Something like that, yeah. Yeah, he's telling her what she doesn't want to hear. And that's when he tells her, you know, I I was in prison at the same time as your son. And I knew that anybody in prison could have your son for a pack of cigarettes. I know, because I did. And yeah, that was, like, that was in the comic book. And I was waiting yeah. for that. It's a bit more disturbing here. And they kind of leave it ambiguous that, okay, so he's been going over to her place all the time for dinner and sure. hanging out with her and her son. And But when she tries to like get him to admit that he likes her, he says, no, I really don't, because the truth is coming out. And she's yeah. like, well, why do you come over all the time? And it's basically when he, they, when he comes over and he has someone else cook for him and she falls asleep in front of the TV and then he goes upstairs and has sex with her son. I'm like, holy oh, no. God. Okay, this is a college-age kid. Yes. So it is possible it was consensual. It's also possible it's grooming. So yeah. we don't know, but it's a shitty way for him to behave. Whatever. Yeah. No, it's not very. I mean, he was like, oh, yeah, he knows a lot. He knows way more than I did at that age. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's disturbing. But mm-hmm. there's like a, the the prison thing never comes up in this. Like, you wonder, though, because she keeps saying he's home from college, home from college. But she was also like he's unexpectedly home from college because she talks about how she hasn't had time to write lately. And I'm like, is it? Do they ever say? Because I've watched the episode twice, and I don't think they ever say that college here is also shorthand for prison. I just don't know. They never make that clear. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It could be. There could be a little Easter egg for the people who have read the original comic books, that, that sort yeah. of thing. But And it could also be an idea to change the story because, you know, it's like in the original Sandman, he's talking about it's a homosexual relationship, but it had been in prison. So, you know, it's like automatically tying a homosexual relationship in with something dirty and shameful and bad and you're being punished and all that kind of stuff. Here, I mean, hopefully it is consensual and that's why he wrote it that way. Because as much as it's not cool to be like, you know, leading a woman on while you're really banging her son, maybe there's a chance that it was something other, but I don't know. It's just, it, it was interesting. But the married couple that comes in, in the original comic, they were unhappily married, and they seem to be very unhappily married here for different reasons, because she's like, she's the CEO of a company, and she met him when he had nothing, and married him, and gave him a position in the company, so he feels completely powerless and subservient to her, and he doesn't like the fact that she always wants to control what he eats, and that she won't let him, like, drink booze, and... You know, all of this, and meanwhile, the waitress and Judy are like talking about their heartbreaks, and yeah. everybody starts having sex. You know, the husband goes and. into the kitchen and starts having sex with Marsh, and the young interviewee goes over to the wife, and she sees a pretty young thing that she can have power over again. So they start having sex, and Judy and Donna start. Just, I mean, yeah, it's it's the orgy all over again, yeah. and then it stops really abruptly when the husband like drags the young interviewee off of his wife and starts choking him to death. Yep, yep. And you think, oh, this is the moment when the husband is definitely going to kill the young interviewee, but the young interviewee, I don't know, does he grab like a butter knife, a piece of glass, something, and just absolutely just murders the husband right then and there. It was really that fast. So this is the point when the waitress suddenly realizes, wait a minute, this isn't us. I think it's him. And she looks over at John and this is where John like becomes much less benign because he has just decided, 
you know, I thought if you didn't have lies, you'd be happier, but it turns out you like being unhappy. And this is where he just gets all of them to do to themselves what they did in the comic book, which is to murder themselves and chop their fingers off and drive nails into their hands. It's like, ah! (laughs) Interesting that it was definitely Judy who had driven the nails into her eyes in Mm -hmm. the original comic, which you actually, we get to meet Donna later on in one of the comic books. Mm -hmm. And she, I think, had a dream about, you know, somebody whose eyes were torn out and everything. So there had been that connection. So interesting that it was actually the unhappily married wife who does that. No, hang on. It was the waitress who stabbed herself in the eye. The unhappily married wife, um, I think, cut her throat with a piece of glass or something next to her husband. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all, it was a little gory. But I do like that they also had the nod to the fact that in the whole long day where John D was controlling everybody in the diner, at one point he asks a question of the oracles and it's actually the three. It's the wife and Judy and the waitress and they're sort of standing in for the oracles at that point and it's all, you know, them and their their regular bodies and everything, but they're speaking very weird, like, you know, very poetic stuff. Well, they actually had a nod towards that in this, except for brief moments, you actually see the same oracles that Morpheus had gone to at the very beginning of the series. And it's very nicely and creepily done. It is. It is. And this is all, there's been this overwhelming, disturbing feeling to everything going on. Because all while you're you know, with these people in the diner, they've got the television onto the news and mm-hmm. things become more and more disturbing. Like the, the newscasters start talking about this horrible world and then you hear about things exploding and people driving trucks into buildings and it's all and it's all very much in the background so if you're not paying attention you don't realize oh wait a minute what's going on outside the diner right now god now in the meantime when morpheus had first met up with john d i believe john d had used the ruby to kind of overpower him so morpheus has been lying on the ground and you've got matthew trying to wake him up but he finally does actually manage to wake him up and morpheus tracks him down to the diner and i can't remember what exactly their argument was except for the fact that I don't remember in the original comic book Morpheus saying this, but Morpheus tells John D the ruby is hurting you. Yeah, and I, I yeah. like that. But yeah. um, John D is not interested in giving it back, and he doesn't think humanity deserves happiness, and maybe unhappiness is just as important. And if Morpheus says if he's going to fight over the ruby, then he's going to fight in the dream realm. And then he drags him into the dreaming, which is cool. Yeah. And then he sees an image at one point of his mother leaning over his crib, telling him to be quiet, which you're wondering. I'm like, was that a nightmare or did his mother actually do that to him? Did you ever, I mean, okay, this is probably trigger warning for this. Um, Shaken baby syndrome. Have you heard heard about that? The details about that. I heard about that for years and years and years. And it was only like in the last, I don't know, maybe 10 years or so that it was pointed out when they talk about shaking baby syndrome, it's not somebody like like shaking like a bottle of ketchup. It's like yeah. picking up a child and going, you need to go to sleep and just like do that that shake for emphasis. That's all it takes. So yeah. P- PSA yeah, yeah, warning. Yeah. And that, that kind of was what it looked like, that she was at the end of her rope and like not thinking about the fact that she was probably traumatizing her baby by shouting at it to go to sleep. Yeah, which would explain, you know, some of his problems right now are due to um, brain damage. Could so be. That could, be, well. that could yeah. be it. Yeah. 
But in the middle of the dream, he's so freaked out by all these things he's seeing, he actually holds out the ruby and crushes it. And you see the little pieces floating down from it. And everything gets quiet for a minute. And then you hear Morpheus' voices talking to him. And that kind of pulls back. And you see that John Dee is actually standing on Morpheus's hand because he's gotten to be, he's like bigger than a giant. He's just become huge. And that's from the actual comic book. I was waiting mm-hmm. for that because John Dee thought that he was going to destroy Morpheus by destroying his power. But what he did was let out all the power that Morpheus had stored in the ruby. So that's everything's right. fine now. I mean, Morpheus can't put anything back uh, the way it was before John Dee, you know, convinced everybody to do that. But I think they didn't explain it as well in the comic book, I don't think. But, you know, Matthew says the ruby did all of this. And Morpheus says the ruby didn't. The ruby just, what was it, revealed wounds that had never healed. So yeah. it was all... And I I think they made the characters more complicated here and less just two-dimensionally nasty. Like John D yeah. had more of a motivation. And, you know, people were obviously unhappy but the fact that John thought that when they let the truth out and everything got worse, he never really seemed to acknowledge the fact that that's part of what it means to be a human and interacting with other humans is to not say and do all of the horrible things as soon as you think about it. It's to actually yeah. think, um, maybe I shouldn't say this because that doesn't add anything and it's just going to hurt somebody for no reason. Yeah. Also, I mean, I think it's sort of... The original comic book very much touched on the ideas of like really deep, dark desires that you really don't want to talk about. I mean, I was a little surprised, though, when I thought about it, it probably just went too far for Netflix. But the unhappily married wife, she had a whole story in the comic book about one of the reasons why she hasn't really been having very good sex with her husband is because she dabbled in some necrophilia accidentally. And that's a creepy, <laughs> creepy story. Did not make it into the Netflix No, show, it didn't. It's fine. It really yeah. did. I think that's fine. I don't think that would have added anything either. No indeed that's fine now what is that what exactly did uh, morpheus do to john d at the very end i know he put him to sleep right he put him to sleep he had he told matthew that everyone would sleep without dreams that night so that yeah. everyone would at least get a very peaceful night's rest and he put him back in the um the asylum that's right that's right okay yeah so which is same thing that happened in the comic book. Yeah. You know, just basically put him back in prison. So, and that's the end of the episode. I'm definitely looking forward to um, the sound of her wings because that yeah. was such a lovely issue. And I think that may have been one of the issues that kind of, because I think everyone was enjoying the Sandman before then, but the introduction of death um, just made everybody fall in love with the whole series. Oh man, she's the comic book world's favorite goth. You know? Oh, she she's, really is. She's, and she's this the is they're they're doing this really well in that the first half is going to be the first graphic novel, the first half of the the season, and then the second half is going to be a doll's house. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 Some of my favorite stories, but they're all my favorite stories. Like and they they did a good job actually with introducing the Corinthian early because I think there'll yeah. be a little bit more resonance with his character in the doll's house now that we know that he's an awful person and all of his motivations and wanting to stay free from Morpheus, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Oh, he's so they, the actor does a very good job with the Corinthian. Yeah, he does. Everybody does a great job. And I saw when Judy was trying to find anyone who knew where Donna had gone off to, and she calls a friend of hers and it's Rose. And it's an interesting casting for Rose as well from the doll's house. 
So that was who she was talking to on FaceTime, I think. That's right. Yes, I forgot about that. I was like, oh, they're, they're really setting up the pieces very well. For yes. So that's it for Sandman. Wanted to mention, you know, of course, last week was uh, New York Comic Con and... Uh, there was, you know, little dribs and drabs of news that was coming out, but I think the biggest thing that impressed us the most, they had the trailer for the third season of Picard, which I already knew going into it was going to feature the original cast of The Next Generation, so I was looking forward to that. But my God, you guys, that trailer. I mean, I have not been impressed by the first two seasons of Picard. It just it hasn't been the most horrible, embarrassing thing I've ever seen, but neither is it very good. Um, but oh my God, the trailer for the third season just looks so good. So badass. And all of these characters that we've known and loved for decades all coming back. Um, some funny moments like Worf and Riker are about to get transported somewhere and Worf tells everyone that he's become a pacifist and Riker says, oh, we're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Leland, man, I mean... It's, they've, they've all aged pretty well, but I've seen them in other things, and I didn't have the same feeling I have now seeing the pictures that have come out of New York Comic Con, seeing the trailer, seeing some of the interviews and everything. Everybody looks so good. We've got like some serious personal trainer and skincare routines have been going on. Everybody looks wonderful. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. So oh. it was, there wasn't anything jarring, I don't think, about seeing no. any of these characters. No, 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 because um, Riker and Deanna actually show up in the first season briefly. And for a storyline that just kind of seemed to not really go anywhere, I don't know. It was this weird little side story that I'm like, why is this here? But uh, whatever. Um, I don't think they looked nearly as good then as they do now. I think they look really nice. And um, Gates McFadden looks lovely. I told Leland that was the other thing. I'm like, oh, yeah, personal trainers and skincare routines and some plastic surgery, sure. But it's, you know, the kind of like well-done plastic surgery, you know, where they're saying, let's make sure you don't look too much like an alien, you know, that kind of plastic yeah, surgery. Yeah, we're, so. we're, not, we're not talking, um, oh God, poor Carrie Fisher. She had oh. some bad work done on her mouth, unfortunately. I, that's some, some point. There's nothing like that for any of these guys here. No, no, they look good. And um, Kate Mulgrew, I saw pictures of her as well. She looked lovely. She's, oh. uh, she's doing, I haven't watched any of Star Trek Lower Decks. I've been hearing that that's pretty good. And Captain Janeway is, makes an appearance, several appearances. She might even be a major character. I don't know. I haven't watched it. But she does the voice, of course, for Janeway. And so she was there as well. So it was a really big Star Trek weekend. That's awesome. But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixelatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the fan art galleries um, or photo galleries. Still haven't heard about uh, Los Angeles Comic Con. Hopefully they're going to get to go. I know that they just announced the end of the early bird passes. So they said they were going to tell us within three weeks if we got uh, press passes. So you keep your yeah. fingers crossed. Yes, here's hoping. So yeah, um, yeah. if anyone wants to check the book reviews, they, you will find a post about None of the Ninth. I did ah, finish yes. writing a review. We both finished reading that book. Oh, my goodness. This series, wow. man. Yeah. Did you include a link to the person who actually spelled out what happened in the book? I will, yes. Okay. I need to yeah. do that because it's that important. That was important. Yeah. <laughs> we were like <laughs> talking to each other. So I just finished it. I did too. Well, well. <laughs> it's just like, no idea what's going on. But, maybe, um, maybe, maybe we should post a copy of that conversation and we can include yeah. links to because Reddit is on it. They are, yeah. there are people who are dissecting everything that happens. There's some stuff that I've learned through Reddit threads that I totally didn't get when reading the book, but it seems nope. like 
it's it's cool because these books are so rereadable. You learn yep. more stuff, and then you go and look around, and then you find out more stuff. So it's like constantly discovering what the hell was going on. It's a very yeah. nice feeling. It is. It is. If, if we've been talking about, oh, I don't know what's going on, and it's so hard to read and everything, they are wonderful books, and they are very fun, and the dialogue is always amazing. And there's so many badass scenes in those books, so I think you'd enjoy them. We don't want to make it sound like they're more work than they're worth. They're not. But, um. <laughs> Anyway, uh, next week we are going to have a Night Vale episode, I believe. Yes, indeed. Right, and whatever other nerd stuff crosses our path. So one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to you all later. So don't know what's happening with Apollo and Psyche, I'm assuming. Oh, no, um, uh, Eros and Psyche. Shit. Shit. Don't try that again. <laughs>